0: This is Ryan Martin, the host of Psychology and Stuff. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you like psychology. And if you like psychology, you will love All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence out of Phoenix Studios. On All the Rage, my co-host Chuck Rybeck and I talk about everything from Internet trolls to toxic masculinity to road rage. We bring you mad science, anger management tips, and tons of stories about people losing their cool. You can learn more about All the Rage and other Phoenix Studios podcasts at uwgb.edu forward slash podcast. All right, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the final episode of Season 3, and it is a biggie. We have multiple guests, we have a live audience, and we are going to spend some time talking about our favorite examples of popular culture that relate in some way to psychology. But before we introduce our guests, I need to explain something. So I realized as I was putting this episode together that I wanted to play along in the fun. And so I'm bringing in a guest host, someone who has way more experience and expertise on popular culture, who's gonna take over the show for me. Um, like he's permanently, ass- or? Yes, permanently, <laughs> this is it. So, right. yep. It's my this, show now, baby. Yeah, that's off. right.
1: So, is he
0: is an assistant professor in the communications department here at UW-Green Bay, but you know him as the host of my favorite podcast, Serious Fun, Dr. Brian Carr, how are you, Brian? <gasps> uh, okay, good.
2: Thank you. Thank
3: you. Cal- calm down. Calm down. Thank you. You look um, so much
2: better than the cartoon version of
3: yourself. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, hi. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. No, I, I'm also I'm also also concur. There's there's really no good version of me, but the cartoon one. You can like erase the cartoon one, so it's good. Right. Um, uh, yeah. My name is Dr. Brian Carr. I'm in the communication department. Uh, I do host Serious Fun. Uh, it's a podcast on the Phoenix Network, uh, Phoenix Studios Network. My bad. And uh, it's a lot like, yes, I know Kate's gesturing violently at me in the back. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's not unlike like psych and stuff, except we don't talk about psychology. Uh, it's we are just like, the stuff. And we're like 95% more likely to talk about Thanos or something. Yep. So like uh, it's pop culture trying to look at it from like a serious academic standpoint. Um, but we succeeded at like maybe 75% of the time. So that's, that's the that's plug good. for that. Yep, And you can find it at uwgb.edu podcasts,
0: as well as iTunes and Stitcher. Should we say it together? Yes. Thank, Thank you, you, Stitcher. Stitcher. <laughs> so awesome.
3: So on that note, Brian... The show is yours. Take over. All right. So, uh, of course, we got a lot to talk about, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. But I do want to introduce the illustrious panel. I feel like most folks in the room know who these are, but for the, for the uh, benefit of the millions and millions listening at home, I want to introduce uh, uh, immediately to my left, we have, of course, Dr. Ryan Martin. Hi, Dr. Ryan Martin. How's it going, sir? It's good. Yeah, so you already introduced Wait. yourself, so I just I don't know what the point of that was.
0: That's true. <laughs> I did. I don't think I said my name, but whatever. It worked. Uh,
3: How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Are you gonna say like What's who you are? Oh, I'm Ryan Martin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just introduce yourself. Some of that. Let's just make it easier. I'm the chair
0: of the psychology program here at UW Green Bay. Great. And normally I host this show. So for people who listen regularly, I'm the voice you hear.
1: So. And I am Georgina Wilson Dentis and I am a professor here and I teach environmental psychology.
0: Do me a favor and say your last name like three times for everyone here.
1: Wilson Dengis, Wilson Dengis, Wilson Dengis. Okay. That's hard to say. Yep.
0: Because <laughs> so do you I like hope it's in not like now? Beetlejuice, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Is because that the yes. Beetlejuice thing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Pop culture, <laughs> Beetlejuice? Yeah. Historically, I've yeah. blown it on your name over and over again. So I just want to I want to have something I can listen to repeatedly so that I never make this mistake again.
2: Well, there you have it. Yep. Sweet dreams are made of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. All right.
4: Um, I'm Joanna Fogassa, and I'm in sports psychology. Thank you. That's it,
2: I guess. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Regan Grung teach health psych, intro psych, culture development, health, and research methods. And some other things. Uh, yeah, I think that's lean close. in. Yeah. Lean in. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello.
0: Yeah. And also sexier next time. But
2: <laughs> so isn't it? I think I definitely <laughs> yeah, like, sounded
1: that way. Yeah.
3: Put a little right. bass in there. Right. Let's get let's kind of like let's get the the low ends going. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: um, you want to share a mic with me? Yeah. <laughs> no. What? He didn't like the so, you you didn't like you know. the
2: deep voice.
3: Yeah. Well, so I see why you wanted me to host this one yep. now yeah, no. because sure. it's, it's an impossible <laughs> task. Yep, um, it's your problem. Now. So yeah. It's <laughs> uh, so everybody on the panel brought uh, some specific examples. I believe we each have a book, a movie, and a TV show. Correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, talking about different aspects of psychology, specifically psychology as it pertains to their work. Um, so I guess we'll start off with uh, specific, like we'll start with books, sound good? Sure. Yeah, we can start with books first, okay. Yeah, sure. uh, so let's talk about some of the books that really speak to you in terms of psychology, in terms of your field. We'll start with you, uh, Regan, you're over there on the end. Let's start Absolutely. with you first. So, so I
2: actually went a slightly different direction, in a way, okay? Oh. And this is somewhat, yeah, always right. Yeah, now, so, the, plan. the book that I'm actually going to talk about is, uh, or books, I'm going to say, is a whole genre of books. Uh, I have been diving into more recently graphic novels. Actually, I mean, graphic novels. He's Twilight. in, exactly. Please yeah. say Twilight. Twilight? No, yeah, no. I so, so <laughs> I have been absolutely fascinated by the fact that there, is, there are now graphic novels. For just about anything out there, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this short, but I've recently run into uh, an intro psych book in graphic novel form, can you imagine that? An intro psych book in graphic novel form, yeah. Uh, I've also run into, I mean, I've been really curious about the Middle East, and there's actually a piece of journalism on the Middle East. There are actually two graphic novels, one called Gaza, uh, one called Palestine, uh, and it's journalism, where this journalist went to the Middle East, interviewed a whole bunch of people, and then instead of writing it out in, in text form, actually wrote it out in graphic novel form. So, really fascinating, great way to learn new information. And uh, something I realized and something I'm liking about the graphic novel form is unlike a book where you read something and then you've got to make up stuff in your head, the artists in the most part, even if they're working with an illustrator, are giving you visuals to go with. And I've been musing on how psychologically that just does something so different. Uh, more recently at Untitled Town and Brian was uh, hosted uh, two sessions, one of them with good old Green Bay native Kristen Radke, mm-hmm. who uh, whose book... Uh, imagine, uh, gosh, what's the name? Imagine wanting it, only this. And thank by you. The way, imagine that episode, wanting only now this. Now
3: on serious fun. It's on the feed. Yeah, go check it, know, it out. Like, nice it. little yes. check it out. Nice <laughs> little side Stitcher. plug there. Thank there you, you go. Stitcher. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, uh, but no, I mean, for the that's what a fascinating graphic novel mm-hmm. right there. You know, uh, and just the psychological themes in there, loneliness. Places, heartbroken. Oh, it's just really cool. So, books wise, graphic novels is a genre. Check it out if you haven't before. Uh, and someplace in the in the course of this podcast, I'll probably mention a few titles. But they're just really eye
3: opening. And I find it interesting you're talking about graphic novels because we look at the way we learn, the way we kind of like internalize information. I mean, you know, like, like we, we generally tend to learn best by actually doing. Uh, but, like, right in between, I'd say, like, you know, like, kind of the bare minimum of, like, just you telling somebody something. Visuals are really, really helpful for getting the point across. So, if you want to convey who this person is or what they're feeling or thinking or how this concept works, uh, graphic novels, I think, are really kind of an untapped and uh, very potentially uh, lucrative. I don't know if lucrative is the right word, but because um, I know most, you know, a lot of people working uh, graphic novels probably would argue that it's not, um, but uh, intellectually lucrative um, form of communication and. and Discussion, so
2: cool.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah. Turn over Jana.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> so so I actually can follow rules, so I actually chose a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I chose the the book open um which is the autobiography by andrea agassi and i think that that's a very interesting book from a sports psychology standpoint because it kind of contradicts all theories of motivation um so his father um uh, was a tennis player and then he uh, put all his kids into tennis since they were very young and he was like who's basically abusive. Um, and Agassi says throughout the book that he, is, um, he hates tennis, and he was one of the greatest... Um, tennis players of you know his time And um, so it's very interesting That he hates tennis Through the whole time But he w- he won so many uh, Grand slams And um, and was one of the best of his time um, So it's really interesting Also to see his whole uh, Trajectory to get there And then basically um, He only hated more Was losing He re- really hated losing So that kind of drove him to Um, but if you think, um, also, you know, his father did this to like the whole, like all the siblings and, um, he was the only one that kind of like paid off in terms of, um, you know, money and, (laughs) and fame, um, uh, And then also he had like a lot of uh, behavioral issues and uh, drug abuse issues uh, throughout his life. So it was not without a price to contradict all (laughs) these theories of motivation. Uh, But it's a very interesting story and he kind of ended up finding like more uh, things that are more intrinsically motivating for him um, in the sense of, you know, he has like school for um, people who cannot, like a private school for people who cannot uh, Ford and have like you know kind of trouble kids sort of thing um if i'm not mistaken so he found like a a Sorry. passion in his life yeah he he has kids doesn't he he does With yeah yeah right? so he was married once when he was still troubled and then he ended up like getting divorced and then he married steffi graf and i think i think maybe she helped him out right. a little bit too <laughs>
0: yeah so does he talk about that in the book about having
4: yeah it's more towards the end and then he talks about how like um you know he helped him he wasn't already like in a better time in his -hmm. life but um i think the thing that he emphasizes the most is the whole like finding um like something that he was passionate about which was the the um, whole school thing and like helping people Mm -hmm.
0: There's an adorable commercial with him where he's cleaning up his kid, his son or daughter's room, and there's toys everywhere. And he goes out to the tennis court and he gets a ball hopper thing, and he goes into the room and he starts picking up the toys <laughs> with the ball hopper, and it's super, super cute. So Google that, <laughs> look for that uh, thing. I, I, I really it. Yes, <laughs> so, yes.
3: I actually find something interesting, the fact that he hates tennis. I, I wonder if there's something to the fact that you're, this is something you constantly have to devote your life to, day in, day out, constant repetition and practice to excel at the level that is necessary uh, to operate at the way that Andre Agassi played. Do you think that has something to do with it? Do you think he's just literally sick of doing this again and again, or...?
4: Yeah, it's it's from a really... psychology standpoint. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting because you know, and he he says so many times uh, along the book. Because at first, when he says he hates tennis, you're like, okay, you kind of like hate it because. <laughs> but he's like, no, seriously, I hate <laughs> I hate tennis, and um, and throughout the book, he repeats and like he contextualizes it. But at first, he just had so many so much pressure, and he didn't have like. He basically didn't have anything else that he knew how to do. Uh, he went to like a prep school special, special like for tennis. He didn't study, you know, was much. So he didn't have anything else that he knew how to do, and no other options that he could think of. He never had a passion or anything. It was just tennis, tennis tennis. So even though he hated, um, he continued to play and didn't see any other options of what to do.
1: Hmm. Georgina. So I kind of followed instructions, Man, what but, is going on? <laughs> but <laughs> I, I picked a theme, and so I matched my book, movie, and TV show to a Shades theme. Grant, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was my okay. theme. Now you blew it, so now I got to do something okay. else. Um, so, so talking about my book without the other two, it, it's going <laughs> to be it's going to be a theme, but I'm okay. just going to go with that. So, here? as an environmental psychologist, one of the things that I Um, research early on in my career was the places that people chose to live specifically I was really interested in the suburbs and suburbia and the thought of nostalgia and um, building places that seemed very perfect and beautiful and how can we do a thing called environmental determinism where if you build it people will behave in a certain way. Like if you build a beautiful, perfect suburb, will people behave beautiful and perfect? Well, is that a thing? Is environmental determinism a thing? And so uh, the book that I picked is uh, probably my favorite book of all time. It's called The Devil in the White City. And it is a, a great juxtaposition of building likely the most beautiful um, set of buildings in Chicago in 1898 um, during the Industrial Revolution, where it was really gross and disgusting in the city. They talk about how people would step off of the curb and get like hit by um, just, like horse and buggy kind of things, or the you know like Horse-tiny and kind and of the kind of the buggy, <laughs> and they talked about people being decapitated by. places, factories that they were working. It does sound like a bad city. It was awful. It was really (laughs) terrible. I agree. But they won the, uh, the ability to have the World's Fair in Chicago at that time. And so they built this most beautiful, magical fairgrounds of all white buildings. And it was called the White City. And everything was beautiful and white and monumental and lovely. And so this Book talks about the architects and how they designed that utopia in the midst of this awful, dirty city. And it also has a sub story about a mass murderer who um, <laughs> kills people, women particularly, who are coming to the city during that time. Um, he builds a gas chamber and kills them uh, by kidnapping them basically and killing them in his own built gas chamber. So I love the got real dark, real fast. <laughs> you <know>? Come on. <laughs>
3: right. But I love
1: the thought like how we really crave beautiful things, but right underneath the surface are some pretty evil um, and dark Dark doesn't, things.
0: Doesn't the movie come out like next year? Yes. Oh, really Featuring things? your guy.
1: No, I know. I'm just saying. Just well, I, you I should don't...
0: tell people who your guy is.
1: Well, I have several. <laughs> 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 Do I have to say something? And the old Colburns. I... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's That's DiCaprio. Right. I think, I think my, my, my number one guy, Leo DiCaprio, is yeah. starring he in. He plays
0: the mass murderer you like so much. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. The darkness is great when it's yeah. Leo. This, right, <laughs> right,
0: right below the beauty. Right, the darkness.
1: He What's could he have mean? likely kidnapped me. That's the. Moral <laughs> oh, boy. oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah. Wow. Well, actually,
2: there's, there's an interesting side you note. Know, many of the people in this room, uh, many of the people in this room uh, have been to MPA and presented at the Palmer House Hilton, and the Palma House Hilton is one of the buildings built during that era by one of the architects featured heavily in the book. So yes. big. Degree of separation between all of you presented at the Palm House Hilton, which is one of those classic Chicago buildings. So Yes. I didn't yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Not one of the white
2: ones in Burnham, the main. Yeah, in, right. in the and main and last point, for those of you who have kids, who have little kids, uh, if you go to the the, science, the Museum of Science and Industry, that's one of the last remaining buildings from that time. Mm-hmm. So most of the other ones have gone, but the Museum of Science yes. and Industry is the White City. So, and
1: it no. is actually the only, yeah. it's the only, remaining. only remaining structure in that, on that site. Huh.
0: I cool didn't know stuff. that. Yeah. Oh, that was very cool. Ryan. All right. So uh, the book I chose is super old. Not quite as old as I am, but uh, almost. I thought you were going to me and Not quite <laughs> as <laughs> old as Georgina <laughs> and Regan, but, uh, but still pretty old. Uh, it is called Ordinary People uh, by Judith Guest, 1976. So anybody read this? You guys read this? Yeah. So I think actually this book is the reason I became a psychologist. So I read it in high school. It is the story of a boy uh, trying to reintegrate into his life after uh, a suicide attempt. Um, And so he he attempts suicide. He is uh, hospitalized. The book actually picks up with him um, after he is released and he's back at home. Um, after this attempt um, it is a really really powerful account of depression it's a really um, uh, powerful account of kind of what it's like when you are a teenager and you are uh, dealing with a lot of serious stuff and how people treat you and how his family treated him and how um, how scared his parents were of uh, of another attempt and so how they didn't know how to how to how to talk to him and how to uh, to be around him Um, There are some amazing therapy scenes uh, in this book um, that are really, really powerful. Um, It is actually a a movie as well that came out in 1980 um, that was based on it that actually won four Oscars, um, including Best Picture, uh, Best Director, Robert Redford, Best Supporting Actor, Timothy Hutton, who plays uh, Conrad, who is the, uh, wait, yes, Conrad, who is the, The 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 kid, Um, best screenplay, best adapted screenplay. It's a really really good movie. Um, Actually, Mary Tyler Moore is in it. Donald Sutherland, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch? Does that sound like a name of a person? Yes. There is in fact
3: a man named Judd Hirsch. Yes. There (laughs) is. Okay.
0: Judd Hirsch. Yeah, he's in it. Um, It is a really really powerful book, a really powerful movie. It's not as depressing as I've made it sound. I mean, it it certainly is about all of the things I just said, but it's a really, in, in a lot of ways, uplifting. Um, uh, story about the value of therapy and, um, and uh, all sorts of things. And I don't want to spoil too much by, by giving away uh, but one of the interesting things that actually takes place in, in Illinois and so like Michigan is relevant and a lot of things that as I was thinking about it today I realized are um, felt really close to home here. So yeah, it's really good. I, I love
1: that book and I mm-hmm. thought that the the title Ordinary People, normalized yep. that sort of. You know, I'm I'm not sure that they would say that he was mentally ill. I don't mm-hmm. know that. I don't remember that much. But I really appreciated that as a young person growing up, like I was semi mm-hmm. a teenager when the movie came out mm-hmm. and I went to see it. And I thought, Wow, this makes it seem like something that could happen to anyone that yep. I know and. It was the beginning of maybe addressing stigma. Right,
0: and and what leads up to his suicide attempt is the part that I don't wish to spoil for people who haven't read it or seen it, but it is when you read it, you realize how how traumatic and damaging such an experience would be. And it's really, um, really, really powerful and important. And it does really speak to the fact that ultimately, such things can happen to anyone. Um, and such experiences can happen to anyone so there you go
3: uh, that's really heavy I remember when I was in <laughs> high school I read books with titles like moon war <laughs> yes and I learned a lot about warfare on the moon but not think about life that or psychology so did I mention this takes place
2: on
0: the moon oh does it yeah that's the, the see other I part. would have read it slash Lake Michigan so. is, that, is that the thing you try not to spoil <laughs> yes oh man I ruined it yeah, that's the, the, sequel. That's the, sequel, the, the sequel was ordinary aliens yeah wow <laughs> <Yeah.
2: So>, uh, <laughs> very good
3: well, uh, of course, we've spent a lot of time on the printed page so far, but we've got some other things to talk about. Uh, a medium that is near and dear to my heart, because I do teach in the uh, mass media emphasis uh, in communication, is television. Woo! My goodness, where would we be without it? Uh, <laughs> Of course a lot of different TV shows delve into different aspects of psychology and you know this is increasingly very important uh, as television shows get more complex over time. Um, So what are some shows that you all picked to highlight psychology on television? We'll start with Ryan this time.
0: Whoa,
3: okay. I wasn't ready. <laughs> An uninterrupted no. un- Ryan block. How about yes. that? I wanted you to vary up the the, the course. So nice I, I know how to
0: direct yeah. traffic. I no, got I this. know. This is why it's you're taking short. over. This ain't yeah. my first rodeo. So my TV show is not at all old. In fact, it's pretty much new. And it is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, right? So um, how many of you are familiar with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? You all should be. It's uh, amazing. <laughs> Um, it, it just ra- well, it, it wrapped up season three in what January December. It's on the CW right, which obviously caters to forty two year old uh, men who watch TV. <laughs> yeah, um, so shows um, on the CW as well. Is it? That's yes, so weird. that's awesome. So um, it it uh, it's available via Netflix. At least seasons one and two are. Um, it is amazing. So the show follows the main character who is named Rebecca Bunch, and she moves from New York to West Covina. Uh, California to be closer to a guy that she went to summer camp with Um, and so a couple things to know before I go on it is a musical Uh, it it. is um, so which may or may not mean that I listened to a couple of songs earlier today and Dr. Senzaki walked past my office while I was dancing Um, so um, uh, but it uh, it is also they, they, a lot of different genres. So they play around with country, rap, pop, all sorts of stuff. Um, it is hilarious. It is really funny. The creator is a woman named Rachel Bloom. Google some of the stuff that she did before she was part of this show. Some of it is some viral videos that I bet you've already seen, that you're already familiar with, some of which i actually most of which I can't say on air. <laughs> um, and so there's a great one. I'm just going to say this. There's a great one about Ray Bradbury uh, that she put out in honor of his 90th birthday. I recommend you watch it. And then you forget that I recommended it because <laughs> it makes me feel gross okay um, so um, it's also uh, yeah. it's uh, but it's also a really really touching and powerful show at times and so um, they've really unpacked one of the things they've done is they've unpacked the word the crazy which you know is a has a pejorative meaning and so they they unpacked this over time and so in season one it made reference to her being kind of irrational and wild and um, season two it was about her being in love In season three, they kind of dug into the topic of mental illness pretty explicitly. And there's some really powerful stuff. Man, all my stuff has to do with suicide, I'm realizing. Um, That they tackle topics like suicide. They tackle um, therapy. Um, So just to give you a sense, and this is what I watched earlier. but um, So that she has a song called My Diagnosis, which is about her finding out that she's got a different diagnosis. That she had been misdiagnosed early on in life and going in to get her new diagnosis. And she says, it includes um, the, uh, the lyric, I'm aware mental illness is stigmatized, but the stigma is worth it if I've realized who I'm meant to be armed with my diagnosis. right? And so it's all about how she can essentially, like, like what this might mean to her, and how it might mean that she's going to get the treatment she wants and needs. And it's a really empowering uh, kind of statement about this. Um, It's the other thing that I think is really interesting is that so, afterwards, so I I made what I think is a critical error after I watched this song, not the dancing in my office part. That was a critical error for sure. Um, (laughs) The other one is that I read the YouTube comments, right? Which we would all agree is a terrible thing. You never ever do that. (laughs) It's a terrible thing. But here's no, so one time you do that, and this was the one time because. Um, This is what I saw. I cried watching this episode. Um, More than a comedy, the show is incredible. I was diagnosed with autism when I was 19. The accuracy of the song makes me want to cry, right? Those are multiple... I actually scrolled through like 20 or so comments trying to find a bad one because sometimes we search for uh you know suffering in our lives like and so i i searched for like something that would like make me feel bad about humanity and i never found one and then i thought okay i'm gonna give up so anyways crazy ass girlfriend really really good i recommend it those of you who watch it do you like it I
3: mean, you must, because you watch it. There's correctly. a lot of Why? nodding for yeah. the radio listeners. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's interesting. Like uh, th- That show, I've, I'm surprised, it is incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it pulled off a, frankly, scientifically impossible feat... In trying to have positive YouTube comments uh, is <laughs> yeah. I mean that should be like right there that should be like on the back of like the DVD box it should be on all the ads 100% when, when, positive they, do, comments. Yeah, when they do the four-year consideration thing for the Emmys that should be like the thing yeah. they lead with yeah. and I did look up the Ray Bradbury song yeah right. it's amazing
0: no it's, it's really good so even if you don't want to watch the show Google like some of the, the music numbers from the show because they're brilliant super super brilliant
3: there you go. Let's go with Georgina.
1: All right. So on my theme of, like, nostalgic and beautiful on the outside and kind of twisted and dark on the uh, right we should, underneath. We should guess. I And I, I could have chosen a hundred different shows, and I almost chose Lost, but I uh, decided to choose The Vampire Diaries mm. also from The CW. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> the reason why I chose that is because I think – it's a great example of a perfect suburbia kind of thing. It's a, the town is called Mystic Falls, and I love I love that name, like and and all that surrounds it. And so there are the normal teenagers who happen to be vampires. Some of them. And, I was, I was and really close with Twilight earlier. You were. I, I kind of went there for you. I kind you. of was trying to to really uh, tap into that vampire vibe that you enjoy so much. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, there's also werewolves uh, as well, and Seriously? witches. And so mm-hmm. there's a, a combination of some of the darker things uh, in right underneath the surface of like cheerleading and football and high school mm-hmm. and That's drama familiar. that happens cool. in high school. And so I thought... It's a great so it's not my favorite TV show but I have watched all of it with my <laughs> with my daughter who is now seventeen so it was a, a little phase she went through maybe some of you went through that a similar um, vampire dog phase well you might want to check it out see <laughs> just, I've seen Just it. Saying. yeah
0: Brian yeah, I've seen it I showed Brian a picture from it and like I'm aware and he was like oh no I'm yeah. familiar I'm familiar with it yeah uh, uh-huh. I got
3: lost because like they were like People who are—it wasn't clones, but it was like something else where there was like two versions of the same girl, and then like one yeah. Yeah. died. It
0: it. Yeah. There there some spoilers. spoilers. But wow. I—but I don't even know if I'm describing that. <laughs> it it's not valid? a spoiler if
3: I don't know if it actually happened. <laughs> oh, so it was—it oh, was, it was, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay good. <Wow. laughs> so oh, that's about real. where I tapped out. I'm like, I can't keep track of this. This is way too right. complicated. But oh. I
1: love how in our in the pop culture, it's a such a common theme, mm-hmm. like creating a neighborhood that seems so. Perfect and lovely and nostalgic, mm-hmm. you know, like Pleasantville. The Truman Show. The, that, yep. I, yep. That's Sorry. my move. <laughs> that is not See, a. See now that show. one. You,
3: that one was on you. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but I could you know, like, um, a, Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but I, I thought that thing. was like kind of too old. But uh, these perfect suburbia neighborhoods with darker things happening right underneath the surface, makes me believe that environmental determinism is not mm-hmm. a thing. Hmm. That we cannot force people to behave in a certain way by building neighborhoods. Uh, we can't change hmm. people's darker sides.
2: It makes me wonder about De Pere. It's funny because when you started to talk about uh,
4: suburbia and like perfect things, (laughs) (laughs) things, uh, it made me think of the opening of Weeds, the TV show. It is like like, all the same and. Little boxes on the hillside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was here in the United States for not not a long time when I first saw that, and I thought it was so funny that it was like all the same. It was like, why do people want to live in a place that are all the same? And then now I think, hey, it's so beautiful. Uh, But (laughs) but it's the same thing. Like, it's all beautiful, but then she's like struggling, but doesn't want to show it. And then there's like um, the whole selling weed thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it, it's interesting, like you say people crave that. They want to to be happy, like and and they think it wow, everybody who lives here must be happy because it's so beautiful and everybody's the same. So if I move into the same house as these people that I think are happy Maybe I'll be happy, too. And it, it's an interesting pop
3: culture thing. Well, on CW, I think it's a lot of mileage out of that. One of the most popular shows, I hope nobody's going to talk about this one, because I've never seen it, so I, I won't be able to see Steal Your Thunder, but, like, is uh, Riverdale. Yes. And uh, so I grew up reading Archie comics. Absolutely. Okay? I loved Archie comics. I read those things obsessively. I don't know what this is. <laughs> like, I do not know how they got this out of Archie comics. So when I saw what they did to Mrs. Grundy, I'm like, I what? I don't... Like, <laughs> And some we you are like nodding, like, yeah, but that's not what she is in the comics. She's like a very yeah. nice old lady, and in this one, she's like a, like con artist, murderer, or something like that. And like Jughead, Jughead likes hamburgers. Scott, yeah.
2: yeah. Like, it's, it's weird. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> but, but it's taking that kind of <laughs> all-American... I do, too. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. W- yeah. it's wild. Yeah. I watched one episode because, like you, I grew up right. with Archie Comics. And, and you liked Archie. I, lo- yeah. I loved Archie. Yeah. The reason, I mean, growing up in Bombay, I mm-hmm. learned about American culture from reading Archie. Yeah. That's why when I came here, I wanted to order pizza with anchovies because mm-hmm. I read about it in, in Archie, and now nobody else eats it. So. yeah. yeah
1: there's a reason yeah, I, I think we should
0: assume in the, com- in the comics that she actually was a murdering sex bot. it changes you know,
2: a lot of things right? <laughs> oh I like said sex bot no so I thought bot. she was a no, robot no no, no, oh, no no I don't no, think it's gotten that's that weird my, that's yet my, that's no, my okay. TV show but like <laughs> it's, it's true there's a really yeah.
3: good uh, zombie comic about Archie too called Afterlife with Archie look it up but,
0: okay.
3: highly wow. recommended
4: yeah. okay, right. okay. Um, we're on TV show now I'm ready for um <laughs> yeah, so I got the Friday Night Lights because uh, it was, I think it's like a very um, strong on the um, like social side too, not only sport psych but sports sociology too, um, and it got me to learn a lot about American culture too. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, it's, um, it's in Texas and it's a high school football team, and um, and it's funny because the opening has like it shows the from of the houses of the athletes of the high school team and um there was like this uh, signs in front of the houses that i never knew what it was so it was like is it sale or something and then it took me like i guess like two episodes or something to figure out that it was their name and the number that they played for the high school team <laughs> it's like why do anyone care about that? Um, but then, but then I figure out like, okay, you even watch on TV high school football, and even though you don't, you know, show world championship of volleyball, <laughs> but okay, You're not, bitter, are you? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, but but I thought um, this has like uh, so many um, pieces into it, and um, it has like this nice coach that is trying like to be a good person and develop the the athletes as like a whole person good you know citizens because they are teenagers (laughs) um and but there's like all this pressure from the town and um so they have to deal like learn to how to deal with pressure since they're so young and then um in the beginning the first season the star quarterback in the very first episode the star quarterback uh, gets injured and he gets like uh paralyzed uh because of the injury and um so there's, like, the whole career-ending injury for him. He was, like, expected to go to college, and, you, you know, he was really good. Um, and then we have, like, the the sub-quarterback who has to deal with the whole pressure of the town, who has, you know, their names <laughs> on the front of the house. Um, so it's a lot of uh, layers in terms of, um, you know, dealing with pressures. Their development, uh, you know, people not really respecting much of where they are developmentally, right? They're, you know, developing their self esteem, their personality, everything, but they already have to deal with uh, so much pressure to perform and they're not, you know, even making money out of it um, to compensate for all this stress. Um, so I think it's very interesting in so many levels that I thought that was, you know, kind of a good peak. Hmm. Yeah.
3: Very good. I mean, I find it kind of interesting that Friday Night Lights, I feel like they've they've Borrowed that concept, that idea of like the really kind of like um, the high school football down in Texas or wherever like I think there's like a show on NBC called Rise. And it's from what I gather, I can't because I can't watch more than a couple minutes of it, um, is, <laughs> it's, it is not my thing. But what I gather, it's like an economically depressed, like, uh, northeast town? Like, it's in Pennsylvania. It's in Pennsylvania. Okay. So I was, I was in the ballpark. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it is kind of coming back, but it's also like tying musical theater into it. So they like, they want the Friday Night Lights, but they also want Glee in there. Um, but it's, it is something you get a lot of, my, I mean, heck, they even did a, a story mode in the new Madden game that's literally just, like, half of it is literally just Friday Night Lights. And it's, it's just kind of interesting how much that keeps kind of repeating in other aspects of culture. Like, that's just such a universal concept, this community that just comes around and rallies behind a team and have this, like, immense psychological involvement.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and now I heard that there's a new one called on Netflix called Amateur that is pretty good, too, but I haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Regan. Yeah, so I mean, this this was a this was a toughie because there are so many shows out there that are psychologically related, and I think I went back and forth on what I was gonna go theme wise like you, Georgina, but this may or may not be theme wise. But my pick for TV show is Westworld, uh, and I've been I will say I was super excited when I heard Westworld was being remade because. Uh, when I was little, I actually watched the original Michael Crichton, I mean, I read the, the Michael Crichton book, I read, uh, watched the original Yul Brenner movie, it's gosh, it's 70s or something, mm-hmm. or even maybe 80s, but, but here's, the, here's the concept of Westworld, right? The concept of Westworld, and I, and I will say for those of you who didn't know there was a movie, the, the series on HBO is completely different, it's very different from the movie. Uh, it's from a Star Galactica situation. They basically just kept yes. the name and changed everything right. else. It's just so different, but the, the, the elements are there. But here's the concept, right? Imagine this, where you can go, you know, people have heard of Disneyland and things like that. But in Westworld, you can go and you can step into a Western world where you can live out any fantasy that you have. You'd like to shoot people, you can do that. You want to procreate wildly, you can do that. You want to do just about anything you want, and it's all safe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> procreate
2: wildly. Yeah, well, you know, it's a
0: phrase I didn't ever think I'd hear you utter, okay. There,
2: there you go. You know, uh, it's, out there now. it's out there now. right? But, but here's the thing, right? And you can do this because all the park attendees are robots, but you don't know it you don't you can't tell who's a robot and who's not a robot and I think it really brings up these really cool questions of consciousness: what is consciousness, what makes us conscious uh, think about if you could program a friend to be your best friend ever and Your best friend, he or she, was a robot. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that a future that we may be getting to? And what's really neat about the series, it's especially the first season, and I haven't started on the second season, so don't say anything, but the first season, there are some times where you go, what the heck is happening, Mm -hmm. right? And there are twists. There are some super twists. But at the heart of it is, uh, and this is not giving anything away, some of the robots start becoming uh, self-aware. All right. And one of the key deals with this land, Westworld, this amusement park, is that every night, no matter what happens to these robots, their memories are wiped clean and they start the next day with their program all over again. So I'm going to throw in some make some connections here. It's almost like Groundhog Day for those robots every day, but they don't know it. No matter what happened, they wake up the next day and it's exactly the same sequence. And it's exactly the same sequence. And you learn this pretty quick. In the first you know, 20 or 30 minutes you go, wait a minute. Uh, and it's just absolutely fascinating because everything's wiped clean and they start again. And as these robots start getting self-aware and they start having memories of their, in quotes, all of this is quotes because they're robots, previous lives, of their stories. And the designers keep programming new stories so that the park guests who've paid this money have a better and better time. And the big challenge is how do we develop a new story, a new ride, as it were, that will entertain the podcast? So it's this really cool thing about consciousness and companionship and friendship and love and violence and basic human nature. It's just, oh, it's absolutely pretty mind-boggling and, and, and amazing, yeah.
3: I love reading about that show. I can never tell what's actually happening when I'm watching it, yeah. but like later on I'm like, oh, that's brilliant.
2: That is brilliant.
3: But but the idea of like I think it's kind of interesting the notion that we're constantly needing like new things to kind of stimulate us, keep our interest up, that kind of thing. That's also like you see another Crichton work, which is also thematically very similar, as Jurassic Park, the Jurassic films uh, and the books. It's like you know we're constantly trying to think what's well we don't need to make things make things scarier or more exciting, and there's inherent danger in trying to kind of continually chase that stimulus. But in this case, sort of flipped around and saying um, you know like. At what point do we become morally culpable in, in these actions and at what point do we start like essentially creating AI or intelligence that is so advanced that to mistreat it is essentially would be like mistreating a human being.
2: But yeah, and, and I think there are, there are even more scary implications when I think about it. So for example, uh, what, uh, yeah, an interesting book, if you wanted a book, here's a book, uh, an interesting book that I read some time ago <laughs> is actually, is, is, called, uh, is called Teaching Machines. All right. And I think about teaching a heck of a lot. And this book talks a lot of, about what if we could program a machine to teach you guys. Right. That's personalized and all that. Would they, we need human beings? Right. And the good news for the most part is no, you couldn't. But when you take a look at online classes, when you take a look at there are publishers who are selling these courses where you as a student can sign up and take it and you will never talk to a real person. It's all programmed. There are even program responses. When you, if you haven't checked into your class, you get an automated, pre-written message that says, "Hey, you haven't checked into your class recently. Do you need some help?" And if you write back with, "Yes, I'm confused," there's a pre-programmed response that says, "Why don't you take a look at this?" Or so on and so forth. And it's all recognizes scripts. It's pre-programmed scripts. And, you know, to what extent can you completely get by with a robot,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Do, do you think the phrase procreate wildly is part of their script? At you know? all? Like, what, I would like, actually I bet, yeah, you know, to,
1: to to I, would, I, say would, say I would be surprised. I yeah, oh, know, God, yeah, God. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I, I started teaching online b- relatively recently. And my biggest challenge is when I teach my online classes and then I teach my face-to-face classes, I go... I mean, I'm pushing myself to, I mean, one of the, the questions I push myself with is, what's the importance of being human, right? What is the importance of me standing up in front of you, burning that energy and putting in that effort? Could I program my online class to be that good? And I'm pretty happy with, with how my online class is going, and it's way better than it was four years ago when I started, but it's it goes so smoothly, and the some of the, some of the assessment, you know, the scores and the learning looks very close. You go... Why do we burn all this time coming in here? So I think we're still far from that teaching machine thought, but in strange ways that's so linked to Westworld where you go, if you can program these robots to do this stuff, will you notice? You know, And unfortunately, when some of our online students, uh, the way they take our classes, right, when some of the interactions you go, I hope you notice the difference between a pre-programmed thing and that extra energy that we put in. So really interesting you know, way to get that, those things going.
3: All right, let's talk about movies. Uh, the last topic before we kind of open it up a little bit for some questions. You all brought movies, so um, we'll, we'll kind of start. With, let's go from the middle and kind of spread out. Jana, um, we'll start with you. Uh, what, what movie did you bring? Is
4: it Twilight? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I was going to get Harry Potter because I got, like it so much. Talk about Quidditch, but no. <laughs> um, oh, no, I got... On, no Twilight, yes. Harry Potter! <laughs> so I went with uh, Remember the Titans, which is a classic. Um, I really like to show it in my classes, too. because uh, um, Well, I, I really like teamwork, just as, like a, I guess, a former athlete. I, I just really like this whole thing of, like you know helping each other to achieve a common goal um, so but it's nice so the story um, is from the time that they were disaggregating um, high schools um, and then um, there was a high school that was for white um, students and one for black students and then they uh, joined the high schools and, um, and then uh, also the football team right so um, they had to uh, kind of learn how to play together and then the coach the head coach um, was very um, like autocratic style coaching like yelling and uh, very strict um, and in, in they say even that in the movie they kind of played it down a little bit uh, but you know they ended up doing very well and um, and you can see how you know leadership affects their cohesion and how they grow as a, a theme uh, as a team um, throughout the season and you know you can see like the transformation that you can see in theories it's kind of, like, beautiful. It makes sense, like, theoretical sense, um, as opposed to, you know, Agassi story. Um, so it's really nice to look, especially into leadership and, and team cohesion. I think it's really cool. And it's always nice when you see, like, people overcoming, you know, those barriers and, you know, nice musics. Um, uh, so in, but the thing uh, that is also an interesting comment is that a couple of months ago I saw that the actual like real life it's based on a real story so the real coach um, they were saying that he was kind of like a a-hole can I say that <laughs> <laughs> if we can say procreate wildly on here you can say a <laughs> I think probably Wildly (laughs) 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 or anyways Um, so he was not a nice person Um, and that you know people kind of got tired of his trick kind of styling and you can also see like in sports psych that you know you have to adapt your coaching style to the where the team is at when when they're kind of going everywhere you want to be more autocratic but once they're kind of in the same page you don't have to be yelling at them all the time Um, so you know apparently Apparently this coach was able to kind of adapt, and he, it was kind of more of his style that fit well in the beginning. So, so it's interesting and nice movie. Uh, there are a lot of um, those kind of similar ones, but uh, I, th- I, I really like that one.
3: <laughs> I find it kind of interesting too that, like, it's uh, if you look at sports, it's historically always been an, an avenue through which we do kind of challenge things like gender, like uh, racial segregation, and that kind of thing. Um, and I think the idea of like teamwork and like the psychology of leadership that goes with it, I think, is. Arguably, part of why that is has historically been the case. Mm-hmm. So, like in like forty two, like Branch Ricky and all that. You know, it's yeah. it's another good one. But I'm yeah, not here recommending. It's to recommend a terms, really good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, remember the Titans is, is a really good one. Uh, Georgina.
1: So along my theme, I chose the the Truman Show uh, be, because I think it's a really great example, and it kind of goes along with your Westworld thing too. Like, can we artificially manufacture Community, and um, these are real people, but they're actors playing the role of this baby's family and community for his whole entire growing up. So he get he's born, and uh, they raise him on a TV show where they track him twenty four seven for his whole entire life. If you haven't seen the movie, and who's so, seen
0: it? Raise hands. Okay. Okay. So
1: a, a lot of people have seen it so I think that that's such an interesting thought especially thinking about artificial intelligence can we artificially create community and is that authentic just like is suburbia authentic are we really creating community and is it possible to create community and have it not break down and so it breaks down in the movie Uh, it Spoilers. It's not. It's, <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for, yeah, well, for a 25 on. year old movie. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard about it yet. <laughs> um, but I think there are also other movies that I could have picked, like the, the classic Mean Girls Heathers genre is also another kind of genre with a perfect suburbia with a darkness right underneath. And so there are so many examples of this in our pop culture. That's all
0: I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Ryan. All right. So no one is going to be surprised by the movie I chose. Shut the you're close. You're, <laughs> su- you're surprisingly close. Uh, no one's going to be surprised by the movie Duh. I chose, but you may be surprised about why I picked it. So it is a scary movie, and it does feature sharks uh, or one shark. Duh I should say. This is. This is how much I love Yeah. Yes also a good one. So this is how much I love the movie Jaws, that I was swimming once with my son and he was two and all of a sudden he started going (laughs) (laughs) doo-doo doo-doo, which I think, now for the record I have not shown my two-year-old the movie Jaws, I think I must have made that sound enough times when we were swimming or like (laughs) at bath time or things like that that he just associated that noise. It must be a swimming
2: sound. Yes, so
0: um, yeah. Wow, so I that's picked. Terrifying. Yeah. No, I know. So someday he's gonna see that
3: movie, and he's gonna be like. What the hell, Dad? (laughs) So, um, not for the first time. Yeah, 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 It's exactly. Does does like, does it? Can you damage a child retroactively? Like, (laughs) where they realize, like, wait, what? What happened? My
0: childhood has been really scary. Um, So, uh, yeah. So here's the thing. I I love Jaws, and everyone knows that about me. And and for my money, it is one of the best movies of all time. Um, it, It. It. Part of why it's such an amazing movie, though, is that it ultimately, like, it's. It's a master when it comes to provoking fear, right? This is considered by many to be one of the scariest movies of all time. How many of you have seen it? All right. So, and maybe you don't think of it as that scary a movie Um, because you're scared.
2: The good parts.
4: Yeah, I don't see why to do that to myself. (laughs) Yes, I get that.
2: I do. I'm just joking. I'm not a
4: fan of the gym
0: well, and you know, honestly, I'm not necessarily either. But I think what makes this movie so interesting. I mean, I'm a fan of shark movies, to be clear. So that <laughs> genre, I am fully on board with. Uh, but horror movies in general, I'm not. But
3: how do you feel about Shark Tale?
0: You know, I haven't seen it. You should. Yeah, I will. I mean, I it's will. not. I mean, don't. But it's also right. fine. I've also seen Dolphin <laughs> Tale. <laughs> that I like. Uh, so I'm pro Dolphin Tale for those, or at least the sequel. Um, so, um, so, but here's the thing. The the thing about this movie is that it is it, it really is amazing I mean it's it gave people like two generations three generations of people developed shark phobias based largely on this movie right I mean prior to that a fear of sharks wasn't necessarily a thing in the, in the way it is now um, there's a, a quote from uh, the famed horror director I think it's Rob Zombie? Has he directed? Like House of a Thousand Corpses? Yes, House of a Thousand Corpses,
3: Devil's Rejects. I think there's a Halloween remake in there. Yeah.
0: So there's a famous quote from him where he talks about seeing that movie and then standing in the bathroom at like a Hardee's and thinking he was going to get eaten by a shark, right? And and so this is the guy named Rob Zombie's adorable. Right. So (laughs) adorable. uh, So that tells you something. But here's the thing I didn't pick it for that reason. I picked it because. I think of this movie as, a re- my read of this movie is as a really great metaphor for Freud's structural model of the mind, right? And so we have the shark that represents the id, right? The basic instinctual drives, needs, wants, desires. The shark is driven by just like the desire for food. It doesn't look at the the possible victim and think, like, I'm gonna ruin his day, but oh well, you know, it's fine. <laughs> like, he just, he just eats, right? And if he spits you out, it's not that he's feeling guilty, he's just like, you taste bad. Um, and so there's that. We've got Chief Brody, uh, who represents the superego. He's literally the law, right? And so he represents society's rules. Um, he's aiming for perfection, uh, trying to to do the right thing, keep people safe. He's the one claiming we need to close the beach. And then it's, it's uh, everyone else, who I think represent the ego, but largely by the mayor, uh, who is saying, no, um, he's concerned about the economy, what happens if we close the beach. I hear you, you know, the sharks will worry, but whatever, you know. Uh, we'll be fine. That's not a direct quote from the movie. Um, but so it's this fascinating kind of picture here, and then you add to it the idea that, like, deep water is often a metaphor for the unconscious mind and what goes on down there, that this movie really does sort of play out all of these things. And by the way, I'm writing an article in my head as I uh, talk about this, because I Googled this earlier and nobody else has been writing about it, so
3: uh, it feels like a thing. Right fast, my friend. Yeah, you you realize this is going out to the public. Yeah. Damn Damn it. You have a week. (laughs) Cut that
0: part two. (laughs) Yes. So anyways, so there you go. It, uh, Jaws I almost called it Id which is not the name uh, <laughs> Jaws 1 that is there's some sequels which are also amazing but I don't recommend them the same way isn't
3: there one where like Jaws like, works with the humans to fight like a bigger shark or something or am I just imagining no, things no that is not a I feel like I should have done Sorry. that <laughs> 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 it is, there's there's Jaws 4 where but, like, she's isn't there, there's gotta be one where Jaws is a good guy no, or Gal. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> missed opportunity.
2: No, I think that's Godzilla, where Godzilla oh. and King Kong, and King Kong sometimes a good guy. Now, see, we yep. want to talk about Godzilla. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. In Jaws 4, she, she tries to escape him. Ah. Because, and she, so what does she do? She goes to Kansas. No, she doesn't. She goes to an island. Uh, where, why would a shark go to Kansas, right? Right, right. Wait, which is the, the smart... shark's a girl? No,
1: no, no. She is Chief Brody's wife. Sorry, I forgot to I was mention like, the yes. Shark is a girl. This is the most. No. Blind blind <laughs> one yeah, I've no. Ever. That actually
0: make it better. The, the tag for Jaws Four is called. Is this uh. time it's personal, right? Mm-hmm. And the Jaws, it, the Jaws, the shark is going after all the people that have wronged him. It oh, that's what girl. I was thinking of. Yeah. Wow. yeah. See, and now so, that's that's good watching. Yeah. So, so don't watch that one. Don't want I mean, you can. It's great.
3: Um. No. Shark revenge story is exactly what I want to yeah. watch.
0: Well, Deep Blue Sea <laughs> Two is out on video right now. Uh, I know because I'm served up ads for it every day because Netflix, or I mean, uh, Facebook knows me better than I know
3: myself, so, all
2: right. Regan. (laughs) Uh, Yes, (laughs) yes. I was distracted by the Facebook comment because my son recently told me and my wife that Facebook knows us better with 300 likes than each of us know each other and my wife and I convinced him that, no, that is not the case, uh-huh. that we know each other better. But no, uh, movies, movies wise. So uh, I actually, the, the movies that I thought of or it's movie and movies are, I like not because they are great movies, that, not because they're great movies, but because I think it's the psychological messages that they send and uh, I actually the clue is my shirt uh, the Superman movies i I love the super uh, I, I I like a lot of superhero movies but but Superman in particular um, and I like the fact that there are a whole bunch of different versions because I think that says something in itself the way not only the way Superman changed since it first came out gosh nearly 80 years ago but the way the movies have changed the way they portray the man of Steel differently I mean I love the notion that here are these individuals who believe they're who are invincible, who have this one persona, and then they walk,er and then they have this this other persona. The Clark Kent versus the Superman. The soft on one side, the invincible on the other side. Uh, the way that, especially the Superman movies, not so much the Batman movies, but definitely Superman. The way Superman has to deal with his emotions uh, is just. I mean, I love that. That turmoil that's going on. So there's just so much psychological stuff there. Um, Many years ago, I also uh, wrote or gave if had a, yeah, I think put together what I thought was a very fun talk on how teachers are superheroes or where we sort of have to be superheroes and I basically took the whole superhero notion and unpacked it for teachers. I mean, we as teachers have an origin story, right? And there's the Superman origin story. We have our superpowers. We have our kryptonite. Uh, And I think I love that whole notion there where, like Superman, I think so many of us, whether we're teachers or parents or people trying to live in this world, uh, we have a lot to deal with. And sometimes we walk around thinking we are invincible or trying to be invincible or not, you know. Trying to let everybody believe that we are invincible, yet we are dealing with all this stuff on the inside and over the years. And I just love the poetry of that, those challenges. So Superman's
3: the best.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Brian, do you have anything to say? Oh yes, <laughs> I yeah, do.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, yeah. Like, okay, I'll throw a bomb right now. Superman's better than Batman. Um, I stand by that. Okay. Uh, you. Do you do you concur, Doctor? Absolutely. Okay, sure, yeah. um, and, and I think I think you're absolutely right on. Like there is that duality of you know the the he's trying like he's a god trying to be a man. Absolutely. And that is so crucial. Like this is a character who um, is by definition not human, but who is arguably the most human of all of us. He's the ultimate immigrant story. Um, this is a guy who like you know was just he's just a Midwestern kid trying to do right. And I, my favorite one of my favorite Superman stories is Superman Red Sun. Right, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you've read. I know you've read Superman, Red Son. And what I love about it is that it is like, psychologically, it's the nature versus nurture argument. If Mm -hmm. Superman lands in communist Russia and is raised by Joseph Stalin, he is still Superman, but he is not our Superman. He is not, um, he doesn't have those same values. He has, he cares for human life, but he cares about it in this very sort of mechanistic kind of like, I know what's better for everyone because I was literally raised by a dictator. Right, and that's what I find fascinating about that character is that he's as much of a product of his environment as anything else. The reason Superman is good is because he was raised by good people, and he is himself a good
2: person. Well, I think, and beyond that, I mean, you mentioned the immigrant deal, and that resonates with me as yeah. well, being an immigrant myself. But I think also when you think back to how Superman, the character, was created by Jewish writers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the fact. The story of of the creation of Superman is. Even more fascinating sometimes than some of these stories of the actual Superman stories, mm-hmm. you know, these two Jewish writers in New York, and you know, putting all the hardships that they've been through into these comics. So yeah, just the multiple levels that you can go into with, especially Superman. I mean, Batman and stuff, it has, it's it's fun too. But especially Superman with that immigrant story, and especially for somebody. I, I mean, so I was born in Bombay, but I'm an American citizen, and uh, I swore in to be an American. On September 15th, 2001. Okay, that's four days after September 11th. Four days after September 11th, I had to stand, I swore in as an American citizen. And I can't imagine being a more poignant day to become an American four days after the Twin Towers went down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and just that whole deal there of once, you know, literally, I mean, there was that moment where, as part of the swearing in ceremony, you've actually got to say, you renounce all other nationalities and adopt America as your home right and that's that's so powerful to say yes i'm an american now and i may be uh, ethnically indian and i love my home country and my ethnic heritage but i'm an american right and i and there's that that whole americanness of superman especially in the the golden years was of comic books and they were Quick side note, there are these different years when the comics changed and the stories changed. But especially those the, the, that Americanness and what does it mean to be an American. Uh, and you mentioned prejudice and racism. Some of the best posters featuring uh, Superman I've seen mm-hmm. is where it's anti-racism and anti-prejudice. Yeah. Where it's Superman saying, no, that's not who we are as Americans. So... Yeah, and that's, that's why character I was I wear the organic. S proudly. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> I mean, like he—he he was like beating up like crooked landlords yep. and like <laughs> racists, and like he literally helped bring down the Ku Klux Klan. Google it. Like this is, you know, yeah. We should—we should talk about Superman sometime. Want we'll to do serious so. fun? Let's talk about oh, Superman. Oh, yeah. All right,
2: Superman. awesome. Gods and tapes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, any last thoughts or anything? Does anybody have
2: about?
0: questions? Did we miss stuff that's really good? Yeah. yeah. Sammy's gonna talk about a TV show. Oh, we're going to talk about a TV show.
4: Yeah, so a TV show I would love to hear you guys talk about is Dexter, because I think it kind of fits what you're saying, Georgina, about where it's normal on the outside, mm-hmm. but then underneath it's really dark. And I think it's interesting throughout the seasons. It almost seems like Dexter is developing empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that.
1: My thoughts are that I can't watch that kind of show <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because I would throw up. So, um, but I know about it. Uh, from Ryan, who is a huge fan, and he I am. would come yeah. and tell me horrible things <laughs> and give me nightmares even though it, I've never seen yeah. the show. But and I, Some I, of those
0: horrible I, things were about the show Dexter, right? Yes, some of them were.
1: But I, I think it's definitely that classic mm-hmm. suburbia mm-hmm. kind of thing with the dark and twisted in the, doesn't he
2: like yeah. kill Just people speed. in yeah. the basement? Yeah. Well, in places. places yeah. <laughs> Anywhere you can yeah. string
0: some plastic. Yep. Yeah. So I, 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 (laughs) so I love this show, and you know I love this show. We talked about it. I I think it's a great show. I will admit. So as an emotion researcher, I often take issue with how they talk about emotion, and that they kind of, they tell you he can't feel, right? And they send, they say that like that explicitly throughout, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But he feels all the time, right? And so we see that all the time. And so I think that there's all sorts of issues there. with that, that said, I mean, I like it because it's uh, it's it's clever and it's, uh, like, really great plot lines and storylines and things like that, at least in the beginning. Um, it gets it gets real bad. So it gets rough. Um, if, if you're planning on watching it, stop after season four, maybe season five. I agree we'll with John Lithgow. Four. Yeah, stop there. <laughs> yeah, stop after that. Um, so, but it's, uh, you know, I think, so I, I, I don't necessarily think they do the... F- psychology justice in it, mm-hmm. but I still enjoy the show. So I know, others?
2: Well, I, I think it's also interesting too when especially as you see the development mm-hmm. of Dexter mm-hmm. and you know once you get more of the family stuff going mm-hmm. on, and I think that's about the time when you get more of the mm-hmm. in quotes feelings developing. Yep. So uh, I think that development of that arc of Dexter and and and, and, and honestly the mere fact that for the most part, that show gets you to root for a killer, mm-hmm. is a monumental achievement, right. right? And I think that's what makes good writing, and the fact that you are you're for the most part on his side,
4: mm-hmm. and it is
2: there's absolutely no gray area about the fact that he does kill, mm-hmm. but yet you go back to it still hoping he's not the guy who gets caught by mm-hmm. you know.
4: Yeah. yeah, he does it morally almost. Right. I mean, he he draws the line at several places. <laughs>
0: The original, so the ending of that show was particularly terrible. The original it's, ending that they wrote was that the the, the person who started the show was actually going to be incredible. Um, and then they, they, so the original writer went away at one point. after, Actually, after season four, they, they found someone new. That
4: makes sense. And
0: then, so, yeah. So the original ending, which, sorry, I'm not spoiling this because it didn't actually happen, right? But the original ending was that everything we saw was happening... As he was about to be executed um, for his for the murders, um, and so that he was remembering all of these things as he was about to be.
4: That would have been better, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Okay. So. There you go. Well, that's so, all I got. Then. But okay. funny thing is that I I started to watch actually. I think, was it this semester? It was this semester I started to watch because my students are always talking about this mm-hmm. <laughs> this um, um, TV show. And I liked it at the beginning and kind of bothered me that I was like rooting for a killer <laughs> no matter what moral lines is drawing. <laughs> um, but then I think, it, I don't remember which season it was. I kind of binge watch it a lot. But um, <laughs> I, I think it was about the fourth uh, season that started to bother me. It was like, okay, this mm-hmm. does, doesn't, is not good. I don't like him anymore. And then also, um, it, he. But then at the same time, he starts after that to develop emotions. It's mm-hmm. like okay, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a lot of issues um, similar right. to what Ryan was saying. And um, and then I stopped. So Netflix has eight seasons. I imagine that's all it, mm-hmm. <laughs> all there is. Yeah. Um, and I stopped watching on the like I I don't know third episode of the, the eighth season because I'm like okay he's going to either you know only acceptable ways to end will be like he's going to be he's going to die or you know he's going to be arrested or something and I kind of don't want to really see it uh, but I'm not sure what it is and now I know that it's like something <laughs> that I'm not going to like so I don't know
0: it's more but just boring
4: <laughs> okay yeah.
0: mm-hmm. other questions Stuff we missed. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank <laughs> you. Other? Yeah. Um, Do you want What year did you become? A oh. I mean, that would be What,
2: year.
0: what age? So nobody could hear that. So the yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to reiterate the question for people who are. But so the question was, Regan, right, when right, did right. you? So uh, uh,
2: 31, maybe 30 or so. Yeah. Oh. Thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I've been a I was a green card holder for a long time, and then I became a citizen. So it's been a you know a long time. But yeah, but that, that those issues of citizenship and immigrant and stuff like that. I mean, because I, every now and then you know the, the, the fascinating thing is here in Green Bay, I've actually a lot of the people I talk to, I've been in Green Bay longer than they have, you know, and which is I've been in Green Bay for nineteen years. You know, And, and a, a lot of people will assume I'm from someplace else. Uh, and that's all, also a really interesting thing to deal with all the time. So. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So we are coming up on the end. And our host actually has to leave us pretty soon. Like, yeah. so, so, <laughs> so, so thank you, Brian, very thank much. You. Thank, for, you. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you. Before we go, any, anything else? Do you want to? end us do i want to end us or should i that sounds over? like
3: wow that's very really <laughs> in, in the spirit of dexter that's a lot <laughs> you, of responsibility you to put go? on me no that's, i'm going to choose superman i'm not going to end you i'm going to oh, see the air of the ways and help
2: you and,
1: make and a better hey, person right and, and
2: superman you can die and come back yes, right exactly. so there you go he's done it like twice <laughs> uh-huh. multiple right.
3: times
1: or if you were a vampire
2: oh uh, there there's you go there's there's that
3: fun fact dracula tried to bite him once exploded because of the sun that is a fun fact. It is a very fun <laughs> <Yeah>. fact. <so. laughs> it's one of the greatest things ever to happen in comics. All right.
1: You can wear a ring, you know. And then you don't. But then You're I'm Green so say. Oh, oh. That right, yes. <laughs> According to All right. Ryan's,
2: Ryan's
0: trying to end us. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, that brings us to the end of season three oh of boy. Psychology and Stuff. But bye. before we go. I've got some people I want to thank. So, first of all, thank you to all of our guests today. And thank you, Brian, for hosting. This was really fun. Keep up the great work on Serious right. Fun. I'll try I on. love it. Um, I also want to thank our producer, Kate Farley, who's standing behind oh, us. Working. Thank you, Kate. I want to thank our podcast artist, Kimberly Vleese, who isn't here but does great work. And then I also want to thank our fabulous intern, who is right over there. Will you stand up, Sophie?
1: Go, Sophie! <laughs>
0: She is finishing up her work with us this week. She deserves a huge round of applause. Thank you so much, Sophie you. That is all until next year.